basically these other drivers kind of took me under their wing and I strapped in and it was like reality. I had to pinch myself. I'm sitting in a real live monster truck in the BC Coliseum in Vancouver with my hometown crowd. So I went out for my first inaugural run and I hit the school bus as hard as I could thinking I was going to make my name. And I launched through the air, no form, no nothing. And I came down nose heavy, like pretty much knocked myself out, balanced my head off the steering wheel. And that was it. I blacked out for a second. Welcome to the picture of wealth or T-Pow as we call it. I am your host, Dustin Service. I'm excited to have Cam McQueen on the podcast today. Cam is the president of McQueen Motorsports and formerly a professional monster truck driver. But outside of that, Cam has uh, built quite a life. I'm excited to share that with you, with his family, and where he finds time to fit it all in. Cam, thanks for being on the show today. Hey, no problem, bud. It's an honor to be on. Now, back history listener, Cam and I have known each other for uh, probably over 30 years our fathers worked at the same company and we used to do Christmas parties together annually, but uh, we followed each other's journeys uh, throughout our careers, obviously two different paths, but at the same time, <laughs> always uh, found common ground in how to live most of our lives. So Cam, how do you keep your family? How do you keep your wife happy? How do you see your kids? But paint us a picture of what monster truck life is like in a year. Well, I'll try and summarize that briefly, but basically that whole passion and drive for me started in high school and it was my career and personal planning course. And I think it was 11th grade. We did the Myers-Briggs test and aptitude test. And then they said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And at that time I was free, free spirited and racing dirt bikes, playing volleyball and baseball and hockey and whatever. But I just had a passion for motorsports and adrenaline. Um, so my teacher gave us a project. What do you want to be when you grow up? More or less. So we went through all the studies. We had to figure out what our salary would be and what kind of training we'd need and all this kind of stuff. Um, and I submitted my paper as a stuntman. I handed it in and I did all the research. And uh, he basically threw it back at me and said, this is not a real career. So do it again. So I went back, spent another week or whatever, and I researched being a monster truck driver. So that's always something I thought was really cool. Um, I ended up failing the paper. And I still have the paper on file where it says big F with a red circle around it and monster truck driver, stuntman. According to that teacher, those were not real jobs. So from that point forward, I made it my mission to make those real jobs and make it a reality for me. So that's kind of the background on the professions that I did for two decades. Now, as far as the family goes and the travel, it was really hard. When I started out traveling all over the place, working with Nitro Circus, doing the stunt work, that was pre-kids. And my wife and I were not married at the time. We were high school sweethearts that kind of separated, went our own ways, did some travel, and then came back together. And we had just got back together at a Christmas party in Kelowna. And uh, she had got back from Australia and Thailand, and I had been back from a trip. And so we reconnected. And uh, about three months later, I said, well, I've got a job opportunity in the States, and I got to do this. Like, this is going to fulfill my dreams and the monster trucks and stunt work and all that. Short story long, she supported me through that. We ended up getting married and now have two young boys. So for the last 14 years prior to COVID, I was on the road uh, basically January through April. So that was my season. And I would fly out every Thursday morning. I'd be on the first flight out of Kelowna at 6 a.m. So I'm up at 3.30, get on the plane, travel for 16 hours to 
North Carolina or Kentucky or wherever, do the shows for the weekend, fly back on a Sunday or Monday, get home, just be tired, jet lagged, and then have two days to spend with the family. And the first day I would sleep in and Amber would take care of the boys. And then I'd wake up kind of groggy and then have an afternoon with them and then the next day and then back on the plane Thursday morning. So it was very taxing on her, on me, on the kids. Through all that, we kind of formed our family unit. And now since COVID, and I don't want to blame it all on that, but the last three years I've been somewhat retired from the monster truck and being at home with the family. And that's made all the difference. It's just my new mission and our new chapter as a family. What was the vision when you were in the game you know, so you've got into the game. I think we should we should hear the story of how did you actually get into the driver's seat? Because for a lot of entrepreneurs, set a goal. You set a goal in high school. Someone said you couldn't do it. No different than starting a business. Going to need a big loan. Going to need a partner. Going to need to sell something to somebody. And it's like, this seems impossible. Yet, somehow you found your way. Now, was it? No, I just want to hear. I won't even put words in your mouth. How How did that story happen? So there was no such thing as monster truck training school, uh, which there is now. That's a different topic. Um, <laughs> and even the stuntman thing. I remember I still have the book. So you want to be a stuntman. And I bought that's this book thing? with my dad at a bookstore. Oh, that's the thing. Yeah, <laughs> I'll send you a picture of it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, at that time, especially being a Canadian kid, uh, there was nothing. Um, when I became a teenager, let's say young adult, I remember driving with my dad and it was just post 9-11. And we drove to Seattle. And I had uh, signed up for a stunt driving school. And that was the first of its kind that I had ever found close to the home. So we went down there and it was a three-day clinic. They rented out this old airport hangar and taught us how to do e-brake turns and all this kind of stuff. And it was cool. I knew most of the stuff already, but it was cool to have this actual formatted school. And it was like going to college or post-secondary, but it was specifically stunt driving or precision driving. So that was a big step. And then I had this little book, my only manual for how to become a stuntman because you couldn't go to OUC and say, I want to sign up for Stuntman 101. Uh, so that kind of started it. And then um, not being able to find traditional means of education, I had to branch out. And then that's when the freestyle motocross movement was getting big. You know, early 2000s, I was working at Valley Motorsport at the bike shop and guys like Travis Pastrana and all these guys started coming on the scene and they were the modern day evil Knievel. And I aspired to do something like that. I didn't know why. Um, so I went the non-conventional route. I did end up going to traditional school in Calgary. I went to state for a while for my mechanical engineering. So um, dad got sick. I came back home to Kelowna to be close to the family. And uh, yeah, I worked back at the bike shop and just kind of kept thinking, how do I get into this? How do I get my foot in the door? And then I started going to these monster truck shows, meeting some of the teams, volunteering, doing whatever I could to get my foot in the door and met some really good people. And that's kind of where it all started. But in answer to your question, there was no traditional or conventional means to gain this training. It was just a passion project, but I was young enough and ambitious enough. I do want to hear selfishly the first competition when you're like wheeling <laughs> that big beast of a thing around, what was going through your head? Well, so... The first time I ever got in the truck, um, Travis Pastrana took me out to Dennis Anderson's ranch in North Carolina, Hill Devil Hills, the Digger Dungeon, they call it, which is the mecca of monster trucks and kind of where it all started. Travis took me out there and it was my first connection through Travis to get a chance to drive. And we went out there and I strapped in and it was just a test to see if I had any skills at all. And I was just, I was chilled. I was vibrating and uh, it went well. And I remember leaving there and Dennis saying, well, 
if they don't hire you, I will. And that was like my biggest highlight. I was 20 years old. So then from there, it took about three years before they had an opportunity for me to drive. And I was working for Ojo down in, uh, based out of Salt Lake City. And I was at a show in Las Vegas. And uh, I got a call from the promoter. And he said, hey, Cam, uh, we have a driver that's injured. And they can't compete this weekend. Can you be in Vancouver this weekend? And this was on a Thursday. I was in Las Vegas. I said, yeah, I'll be there tomorrow. So I called my, my boss. Andy and I said, Hey, I got to go. So I flew to Vancouver and that was my first legitimate show. And I was so young and ambitious and just full of death and excitement. I didn't have any gear. I had to borrow stuff from other drivers, helmet, neck brace, the whole deal. And uh, basically these other drivers kind of took me under their wing and I strapped in and it was like reality. I had to pinch myself. I'm sitting in a real live monster truck in the DC Coliseum in Vancouver with my hometown crowd. So I went out for my first inaugural run and I hit the school bus as hard as I could thinking I was going to make my name. And I launched through the air, no form, no nothing. And I came down nose heavy, like pretty much knocked myself out, bounced my head off the steering wheel. And that was it. I blacked out for a second. And uh, yeah, that was my first experience. So the excitement went away really quick with the pain, but then the adrenaline kicked in and it was okay again. What would you equate driving a monster truck to for like us layman's? Like what, <laughs> is there anything? Well, this, this was always a popular question with the media because we would have early morning media that would come out to the show and they'd say, oh, you know, what's it like? And back in the day when I first started, we actually had a truck that was set up with two seats, passenger seats in the back. So I could actually take media people with me. We'd strap them into this 1500 horsepower, 10,000 pound monster truck. And we'd get them in there and I'd tighten their belts up and uh, then I'd hop in the driver's seat, which was in front of them, maybe over each shoulder. And then I'd start it up and they would just freak out. It's so loud. And literally the motor is directly behind them, 1500 <laughs> horsepower motor that's just rattling behind them and they're just freaking out. And then I put it in gear and as soon as I hit the throttle, they're just, they're stuck in the seat. They can't move. And uh, it's not something you can really explain, but um, yeah, that's the best I could say it is that basically when I strap into that truck, I've got 1500 horsepower strapped because the motor is literally right behind my head and you're strapped in. Uh, once we get all our safety equipment on, so the Hans device, shoulder belts, our neck restraints and our helmet, I can't move like more than my peripheral basically. So I'm looking like this. It's like you strap a pair of binoculars to your eyes and that's what you can see. So you got your eye movement, your head doesn't move at all, your limbs, your arms and feet can kind of dangle around so I can reach a shifter and steering wheel and gas and brake. But other than that, your whole torso is just stuck to the seat and your head is kind of pushed into this little cushion. There's not a lot of mobility at all. So it's very different. I think as a, as a finish off story, you've uh, you recently sold your house. You're making a change and kind of re-pivoting. Now, share as much as you want about your story, but like, I think it is a very inspiring story for people our age who are you know, thinking I will do X, Y, Z when I retire, or I will do X, Y, Z when I have a certain amount of money, or I will do this with some belief that they've had for a long time. And you're, you're making this lifestyle shift. And I find it extremely inspiring that you're repositioning maybe some of your resources and the way you're living. Just give us a glimpse of what's going on. Um, we lived in a beautiful area in Lake Heights. Uh, we backed onto the vineyard and they used, we had a big lot with a pool and a hot tub and everything. Uh, it was paradise, but uh, rewind 14 years. We moved back here to start a family and we bought this house as a flipper. It was going to be a one year 
<laughs> construction project and then we were going to sell it and see how we did and carry on the one-year flip turned into over a decade we did a ton of work i did a lot of the work myself you know i bought an excavator and dump trailer and uh did all the landscaping construction renovation and basically after we bought the house and we were about six months in my wife came back from her doctor's appointment and said i'm pregnant um so we started our family and that kind of prolonged uh the renovations and everything so Fast forward, we just got to a point, kind of mid-COVID, I had more or less lost my job with Monster Trucks because we shut down live entertainment for a year and a half. And then they wanted me to go do a show here and there. And I was just not willing to leave the family again. I had had a taste of what I was missing for a long time. And I said, no. Um, so that was that. Next chapter, they um, said, what are we going to do now? The world's kind of crazy right now, financially and economically. Everything's just different. Um, we weren't scared, but we were just very leery of what going to happen next and our biggest concern was the family we need to have a safe place for our kids and we don't want them to be affected by what's going on in the world we want them to have a normal childhood enjoy the stuff that we enjoyed and just get past this and move on um, so that's when we started thinking okay it's a good time maybe we sell the house fast forward a couple of years sold the house and the equity that we had in that and the market itself afforded us to buy another house in the neighborhood going to need some work hopefully not 14 years worth <laughs> so i think covid really kind of um firmed that up for us that it was something important just to have and the rat race and, and all the stuff that we get consumed with yes we need to make money um we were very fortunate that real estate wise we could make that money and yeah it was 14 years of work so i basically i write it off that you know i made a decent salary for 14 years and so now that's in the <laughs> bank and the house has stayed off <laughs> The mortgage is gone, any debt's gone, and now we can just start fresh. It's just like a reset button. And now we can just start with a clean slate and say, what are we going to do from here? We're going to find the rec property, build a cabin. We have a house paid for, and we can just relax. We're not retired by any means, but we're not totally stifled by the restraints of mortgage interest rates. And again, we've been fortunate enough to just pop out of that bubble and say, okay, let's start fresh. What are we going to do? We can do whatever we want. We can travel. You know, we can stay put, we can build something, we can just kind of start it over again. So it's a pretty cool position to be in for our age. And I'm not done working by any means. My wife has a good job and works her butt off and takes care of the kids. And uh, we live in a great area. Well, thanks, Kim, uh, for sharing that, because I, I think it is important for people our age. We, we know we got to work hard. We don't know how hard. So we just work really fucking hard. <laughs> and for how long? Forever. You know, that's yeah. kind of the, the traits you pick up and you'll be successful if you do that, where at some point and with some good optics and with a little bit of coaching, uh, you know, you may be uh, wealthier than you think. And with a little bit of counseling and ask the right questions from somebody qualified, maybe like us, it might help to see the light and to see that, okay, this actually could be a reality when you've been missing it because of some old beliefs. So Cam, thanks. For coming on the show today where can people find you we didn't get into it but we're at our time uh you do have a your own brand mcqueen motorsports you know building everything i would call cool from <laughs> resto mod uh vehicles and bikes and and different things you built your child's uh, mini monster truck uh using a honda civic engine which i think is very cool but where can people find stuff about what you're up to well, McQueen Motorsports, we're still working on that. Uh, we do have a handle at the Instagram, which is McQueen Motorsports. Um, I have my own at Monster Cowboy, which uh, 
will kind of bring you back into the monster truck world and nitro circuits and everything else. Um, but yeah, just touching back real quick. I know we're out of time, but I think about, you know, where we met first and our dads and on the road. And that's one thing I can say is you talk about our generation and our ages and, you know, we bust our ass and just try and make it. Where are we going to make it? I don't know. I know with our dads, there was just that push to work, work, work. And I think your dad probably figured it out sooner than mine because my dad worked himself to death, literally. And, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, yeah, he was just always chasing that. And he was gone a lot too. And I think for me, that's when Monster Jam kind of shut down. And I realized my kids were getting to that age where they were going to start missing me and I was going to miss it too. So now, yeah, definitely not retired far from it, but just putting more focus on the family life and what's really important and the money. I mean, it's there right now i'll be there tomorrow um but that's the goal obviously is keep everybody fed but just being at the beach with the kid this morning and riding bikes to the park and i mean for me that's 100 percent what's important and we can always find something to eat and the, and the wife's happy so it's all good but uh, yeah i appreciate you having me on cam thanks for being on the show today no problem but thank you for tuning into this episode if you enjoyed the show please like and rate the show share with a friend or use your new knowledge in your next conversation if during the show something gave you a pang of inspiration motivation or sense of uncertainty act on it now get the clarity you're looking for find the permission you seek go to servicewealth.com to discover how others are learning how to take fridays off or buying a recreation property or spending more money if you're an organizer of an event where you believe my philosophy on finance lifestyle design would be applicable Go to servicewealth.com and book me as a speaker at your next event. If you want a copy of our new book coming out soon, send me a message on Instagram or Facebook and we will be sure to get you a first copy.